Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and we got a good episode here for you today. We're going to talk about the secret sauce of trading. Is there such a thing, especially for those who are part-time traders and who can't dedicate hours upon hours of their time each and every day to the stock market like somebody like myself does? I spend a ton of time in the stock market. Each and every day, I'm constantly watching it, making research notes and, and trading notes and making trades and closing out trades. So all sorts of stuff that I do. But for the part-time trader, what's that secret sauce that allows them to balance work, life, and their passion for the stock market. So today's email comes from a guy we're going to call Leroy. And I'm not using the name Leroy Brown from Crocodile Dundee 2 that came out in like, what, the 80s or 90s? I love that movie. And I love that character, Downtown Leroy Brown. But he's asked to be called Leroy in tribute to his late grandfather who passed. And he believes that it would be a perfect alias for this podcast. So Leroy writes me and says... Hey, Ryan, I have a Fidelity account since the day I turned 18. That's awesome. That's awesome parenting that encouraged you to go in that direction. He says, I traded stocks all through college, took option trading classes, and even competed in a stock market trading contest against other schools. And one thing I don't remember learning is risk management, which you preach on your podcast pretty much every episode. Sure, I could tell you what the iron condor is, but pre your podcast, I did not have the same respect for risk management as I do now. With the market raging and my limited knowledge of risk management and my trading during this time, I realized with my trading, I could not beat the market. Realizing this, I reverted to an ETF sector rotation strategy and have been beating the market for some time now. But my love for trading has been revitalized after listening to your podcast and I opened a separate brokerage account utilizing newly acquired risk management strategies. I have recently exited all of my trades in this account and want to know how do I find the next one? I have two young kids and I work 40 plus hours a week. Is there a secret shortcut to finding good trade setups? Is there a filter criteria that can limit the time looking through the charts when time is limited? Thanks again for the info you provide on your podcast. Regards, Leroy. All right, before we start tackling Leroy's email here, I got a Four Roses small batch. I love this bourbon. It's just such a good sipper, right? It's a weekday sipper. I love it. I usually always have a bottle of it, and I don't know. I've probably gone through six or seven bottles of it over the years. Just a really good quality bourbon, and it's very affordable. I get it at, like, Sam's Club for 25 bucks or something like that. And to the nose, it has a nice fruity smell. It's not overwhelming. It's not intoxicating. It's just there. When you take that first sip, it's smooth, and then it goes a little bit more on the peppery side, which is not like what you get from a lot of bourbons. It goes smooth, and then at the finish there, you get a nice little kick. But that smoothness has a very nice, pleasant caramel flavor. It's very balanced, and then when you get that little kick at the end, it's not overwhelming. It's not going to be too strong, and remember, this is 
45% alcohol, 90 proof. So it's decent, but it's not like overwhelmingly strong. And again, that's one of the reasons why I like it as a weekday sipper. It's just a really good one. I'm not really crazy about it on the weekends. Weekdays, it's a great one to have because it's cheap, affordable, and it's easily accessible. You're not going to have to go hunt for this one. Scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give it a 7-1. I'm not disappointed anytime I drink it, but I wouldn't say that I'm like in love with it. But it's solid. It's a 7-1 solid. So, back to Leroy. So, this guy, he's been in the market for a long time. He's traded. He's competed against people in contests. And the one thing that he doesn't ever remember is being taught about risk management on his trades. And that's a crying shame. It really is because I don't feel like a lot of people preach it to anybody because they don't understand it themselves and they don't practice it themselves. I mean, think about it. If you have a financial advisor and you call them up, has anybody ever asked a financial advisor, how are you going to manage the risk on the trade? There's enough people listening to this podcast that I know a whole bunch of you guys have financial advisors. I would encourage every one of you guys to call your financial advisor and say, hey, the stock market kind of at all time highs. It's getting a little frothy. Not sure how long we can hold out before inflation starts to take hold of this market. What is your risk management plan? Now, I'll tell you this. For most financial advisors, they're, they're going to read you some kind of script. Oh, well, at Fidelity or at Morgan Stanley or at Goldman Sachs, they're going to give you some kind of spiel that, that they already have written out. But listen carefully to what they're saying. Are they actually telling you anything actionable? No, they're probably telling you how they have staff and how they have people that are constantly monitoring the state of the market and the state of the economy and that they will be ready to act when need be to any downshifts in the market. It's going to sound like you're listening to the Federal Reserve's FOMC statement. It's going to be rehearsed. It's not going to be anything that will instill confidence in you. But do that and let me know. If I get enough responses from you guys, I'll read the responses of what you guys tell me. I would love to hear those responses that you get from your financial advisor about how are they managing the risk with the market at all-time highs and how are they protecting you from further downside. Because most of these guys, they don't, they don't really care. I've known a few financial advisors in my lifetime that are pretty good. I have one that's a friend right now. He's pretty good. But I don't put a lot of confidence in these people. I really don't for the most part. I remember one time a guy told me, he says, oh, I just try to provide the returns of the S&P 500 and match them exactly. And I said, well, why don't you just tell everybody to invest in SPY then? And he looked at me like I was weird or something. I was like, I can't even figure these people out sometimes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In any case, he never was taught anything about risk management, and yet somehow he survived over the years, but he went into the sector rotation. And that's not a bad strategy either. Essentially, if you don't know what it is, an ETF sector rotation, there's ETFs, and those are exchange-traded funds. And in this particular instance, where these ETFs mirror specific sectors, what you're going to do is you're going to have an ETF that mirrors the industrials, and another mirrors technology, and another at staples or financials. They have one for every sector. So like XLF would be your financials ETF. XLI would be your industrials ETF. And so what he's doing here is he's kind of right in the hot hand of these ETFs. Maybe he's shorting some too. I'm not sure. He doesn't specify that in his email, but he is involved in the rotation. When they start falling in favor, he's getting long. When they're falling out of favor, he starts selling those positions. And it's a good strategy. You can do that. You just got to stay on top of it. You're following about 11 sectors and you're just writing the hot ones. 
And I'm thrilled, too, that his love for the stock market has been revitalized listening to this podcast. That's such a huge compliment to this podcast and what I'm trying to achieve with it. And so he closes out all of his positions, and now he wants to start trading again. And he wants to know, how do I find that next trade? But he gives me a caveat. He's got two young kids and works 40 hours a week. So how does he do it? So a lot of times when I see an email like this, I'll probably dismiss it outright. I'm like, ah, he's wanting the holy grail of trading that does not exist. But yet I'm not going to dismiss it because I really do believe it's a sincere question that this guy's asking. It's not out of laziness. It's like, man, I love trading, but I'm strapped here, man. I'm, I'm providing for my family. I've got kids. And when you have two young kids, they take a lot of time and energy. I have a 13-year-old boy. I love that boy to death, but man, he takes a lot of time and energy too. And he's not even young, relatively speaking. You know, he's got about six years before he's graduated from high school and off on his own. So I'm on the tail end of it, per se, where he's on the beginning stages of it. And yeah, it, it takes a lot of time and there's a lot of distraction there. So what can he do? And I've done a lot of podcasts on part-time trading, but I'll use this moment here to talk a little bit specific to his situation. For one, what I would do is try to limit the stocks that you're watching. So it doesn't take much to follow 50 stocks. Honestly, it really doesn't. And so you can create a list of stocks that you find that are the most interesting. For instance, for me, if I was doing it, the first seven that I would put on there would be Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Tesla. And then you can find some other ones that intrigue you, that give you a little bit of action so that you're not just like sitting on your hands all the time. Like Walmart wouldn't be on the list because it doesn't make huge moves. Chipotle probably wouldn't be on my list either because it spends a lot of time going sideways before it makes those eventual moves higher. But I would probably put something like Datadog. I'd put some software stocks on there, some semiconductor stocks like NVIDIA, AMD, MU, KLAC, from the software side like CRM, Adobe. Then on the industrials, you got like Caterpillar, maybe throw in a couple of chemical companies like CC. You got to have some healthcare. I would throw the biotech ETF on there, IBB. Gilead, maybe something like Pfizer. And these aren't like set in stone. You can swap them out and put some new ones in there. For instance, over the past year, DKNG, DraftKings, and, and Penn have become very, very popular stocks to trade. I have those in my must-watch list. I have a must-watch list. I have about 75 to 80 stocks in that list that continues to grow over the years. But every time I, you know, a stock starts to catch people's attention and it gets heavily traded and it provides some good trading opportunities, I will put that in my must-watch list because I want to always know what those stocks are doing. And that's what really Leroy needs to do too. He needs to create a must-watch list. If he feels like 50 is too much, then cut it down to 30. I mean, there's no like absolute number that's right or wrong. But I feel like the more that you can include in it, the more stocks that you can watch. Go through them once a week using technical analysis. Look at the setups that are there. Come up with a list of about 10 to 15 stocks each week that you think that might work for you. Maybe write out their trade parameters. I mean, here's the thing. I can't completely make this an autopilot thing for you. One of the things that I do provide, swingtradingthestockmarket.com, and I know this is kind of a shameless plug-in, but I got to say it anyways because I do provide a ton of market research. So that's going to keep you in the know as it pertains to the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, and the Russell 2000. So I'm providing you updates there on all the FANG stocks, plus Microsoft, plus Tesla, and I'm giving you my watch list each and every week that you need to be following. Usually there's anywhere from 20 to 50, sometimes 60 stocks on that list, on each list, one's bullish, one's bearish. And then you're going to get my daily setups. These are usually somewhere in the realm of like 69 stocks that I'm watching each and every day for trade setups. And I usually give you like a, analysis on those stocks there and why I'm watching them. But why do I bring that up? It's because I'm providing a lot of the research for you. So that's one shortcut. But if you insist on doing it on your own, then I would start with creating a must watch list. What are some of the stocks that have caught your attention that you like trading or that you find the most intriguing and have a little bit of action to them? Like 
And when I say action, you don't want like crazy volatility, okay? You don't want GameStop kind of craziness. But it has maybe like a beta of 2 or 1.5. That's good. And for those who don't know what beta is, it's essentially how much does a stock move relative to the market. So the market moves at a beta of 1. If a stock moves at a beta of 2, then that means that it moves twice as much as the overall stock market. So if the stock market goes up one, it on average goes up two and vice versa if it goes down. So there's that. You can't avoid the charts if you're a technical analysis person. You need to be looking at those, especially if you're trying to do this on your own. I have the SharePointer trading block where I actually put out all my individual trades and real-time alerts. So there's that way too. A lot of people mirror those trades. But that's what I would do. I used to, when I was in corporate America, carry a little book around with me. And in the morning, I'd wake up like an hour before work. I'd spend about 30 minutes looking at the stock market, seeing what the futures did. And of course, I had my must watch list and I was always watching these stocks that I was following each and every day. And and in the morning, I usually had about 15 to 20 minutes at work where I could go through the charts and say, okay, I'm going to buy this stock if it hits there. And I would put my orders in. I would put like two or three orders in. Some of them would hit. Some days, none of them would hit. Now it's a little bit more risky in some ways because if there's a big sell-off or there's like a big cataclysmic event, you got to make sure you have those stop losses in or you're going to get burned. But that gives you one way of playing it, depending on what your work schedule is like and how much access you have to an actual computer. But I also found, too, on my trade setups, that a lot of them would carry over to the next day, and they still do. Like if I like DraftKings and Penn, and they were setting up nicely, but they didn't trigger that day, the next day they were still usually a valid trade setup, and that I would be watching the following day as well. So a lot of times your homework will carry over to the next day as well. And you've got to look at your schedule, too. I mean, if you're going home and watching Laverne and Shirley at night, and spending a couple hours there, well, that's also time that you could be using, honing in your skills, learning, developing your trading skills, and, you know, reading, going through research, technical analysis, the charts. Because in the end, we all have 24 hours in our day. Now, he has a 40-hour job that's non-related to the financial market, so that does make it hard, whereas my 40-hour-plus job is looking at the charts. But you still got to find where are you putting your priorities at? Obviously, work, family, the kids, that's going to be your top priority. But you got to start looking at that next tier of things that you're doing. Are you always going out with your buddies at night or are you doing something that's taken away from you being able to focus on your trading? And so you got to prioritize and make it a hobby. Make it something that you enjoy doing when you have free time to do the stock market. And as a part-time trader, you don't have to trade every day. If you're in a position, you still want to be using stop losses and all that stuff and making sure that you're managing the trade each and every day. But let's say you're out of a trade and you don't have anything else and you know that work's going to be busy in the weeks ahead. You can always just take a little bit of time off. And also too, the whole risk management thing and the fact that he wasn't really taught that growing up and when he was in these competitions is a real crying shame because what everybody wants to tell you about the stock market is how much money you're going to make, but they never focus on what happens when you're not making money and the stock market goes against you. And that's where the risk management comes in. It also helps you to, to make sure that you're walking away with as much profit as possible too. But that same risk management also rolls into other areas of life too. Take for instance, motorcycles. Now, I know there's tons of you guys and gals that ride motorcycles, and I'm not knocking it at all. The reason why I don't ride a motorcycle, not because I don't think it would be fun, I think it would be a blast, but I don't ride it because of the whole risk to it. Doesn't mean I wouldn't enjoy it, but if I lay down that motorcycle on the asphalt or if somebody hits me, good chance that it's lights out for me. And so I look at motorcycles as like high risk, high reward, but I still feel like, you know, if it can possibly put you in your grave, with any accident that you're in, it may be even higher risk than the reward that you're receiving from it. So again, not to make anybody upset because I know people are very passionate about their bikes. I got nothing against it. I'm just saying for me, from a risk reward standpoint and me not having the greatest faith in my ability to ride a bike, it's not for me. 
if you enjoyed this episode, I'd encourage you to leave a five-star review on the platform that you are listening to it on. If it's Amazon, leave it on Amazon or Spotify or Apple. I'm, not all of them have the ability to leave a review. So if you're listening to one that doesn't have it, I'd encourage you to look it up on one that does, like the Apple Podcast app. That would be a great way for me to continue to build my audience, to get more outreach, and to provide you guys with constant good content. So thank you guys. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to SharePointer.com slash trading block. That's www.SharePointer.com slash trading block. And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.